Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to and identity episode, you will learn about the purpose and the ways of the Holy Spirit and how to understand and allow the Holy Spirit to release his manifestation gifts through you. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and contains the fullness of God in personality, power, nature, and character. He always was, is, and always will be. Yet, in our new covenant days, we have a new level of direct access to the Father because of Him. It was always God's plan when He created the heavens and the earth for us to be in communion with God and for Him to guide us toward Him. In the Old Testament days, the Holy Spirit would come upon prophets and infuse them with the wisdom and power to do and say what God needed them to do. He still does that today, but in a new and much more powerful and multiplied way. Jesus came to earth as a human being, laying aside his deity to become the perfect sacrifice for us and to show us the way to live according to God's will. He was on this earth for 33 years, but he left us the greatest treasure when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. And in Acts 1, 8, he also said that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That is the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit, to give us power to connect with the fullness of God, his nature, character, and fullness of the omni-capabilities so that we may live lives set apart and fruitful for him in supernatural ways. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to give us the power to be and do all that God has called us to do. This is how he sees us already through the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ by his sacrifice. At the point of salvation, when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, there was a seed deposited in your heart that contains the design and capability of all the Holy Spirit is. The point of salvation justifies your eternal destination of heaven. But just like any seed, it's not meant to remain a seed. Seeds have the design within them to become fruit-bearing plants. The baptism of the Holy Spirit waters that seed in fertile soil and begins the process of growing you into that powerful fruit-bearing vessel that God sees you as. The baptism is both about the Holy Spirit and God's fire. God's fire does not destroy but refines, burning off anything that hinders you to become who he has created you to be and what he has for you to do. The fire leads to humility and repentance. These two characteristics are absolutely necessary for the Holy Spirit to move in your heart and life. Unlike your salvation baptism, which seals your eternity, once baptized in the Spirit, you need constant refilling. Even though you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can lose your way and get caught up in the world busyness, and other life circumstances, and leave the Holy Spirit dormant in your heart. Holy habits of seeking God's face and not his hand help you remain hungry for God's presence and keep your spiritual tank filled up. Let's quickly address the misconception about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Since the tongues were received as the first evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, 
Many people believe that a person who has not released the gift of tongues has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that decides when a person is ready to release a gift. So if someone has demonstrated any of the other manifestation gifts, such as experiencing verses leaping off a page and giving you wisdom, or praying and seeing God move in the miraculous, or having a message from God even in these journal experiences, all of that is evidence that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit because he is releasing those gifts through you. 1 Corinthians 12:31 says, But earnestly desire and strive for the greater gifts, and yet I will show you a still more excellent way, one of the choicest graces and the highest of them all, unselfish love. So, before we dive into the nine manifestation gifts, here's an opportunity for you to pray and ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Repeat this prayer out loud with a sincere heart, and I've included it in the links below in this episode on the pattyej.podbean.com site. Heavenly Father, you promised in Acts 1, 5-8 that your disciples would receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit would come upon us. You promised to give us power to be your witnesses even to the ends of the earth in Acts chapter 2. I pray the Holy Spirit come upon me now in your fullness. I yield myself to you. I receive by faith the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I welcome you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for empowering me for your service. Fill me with boldness and courage to speak your word with power. I receive this wonderful empowerment by faith, as promised in John 14, 26. Send me the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, to teach me all things and remind me of everything you teach in your word. Give me a contagious hunger for your presence, Lord, so I may be filled to overflowing and release your love and light in the world. I desire spiritual gifts according to your word and ask you to grant me your spiritual giftings according to your will for my life. I joyfully accept your gifts for me. Thank you for all that you are and all that I am in you, Jesus. I praise you and I honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations and be expectant about seeing God do amazing things in your life now. Okay, let's talk about the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit entered your heart at the point of salvation, he came with nine gifts in tow. The manifestation gifts are those that reveal the supernatural power of God. These gifts are ours because of Jesus' finished work on the cross. The Lord explained them to me this way. He said, the nine manifestation gifts are like Nine closed but unlocked doors in your heart, waiting to be awakened and activated in your life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit activates them, and the Holy Spirit is able to swing wide open the doors of those manifestation gifts and release them through you as he sees you ready. Every new covenant believer has all nine of these gifts behind those doors in their heart. We need to cooperate with God to release those gifts. It is so sad that many believers will allow the Holy Spirit and these gifts to remain a dormant seed in their lives for lack of awareness of this truth. 
The Holy Spirit in your heart is there in fullness. That means that all that God is, was, and will be is in you. When the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the heart of a believer, he comes in whole and not in part. That means that the capability of all nine manifestation gifts is in the heart of believers. The releasing of those gifts is at the discretion of the Holy Spirit. This is what is meant by to one is given. He is talking here about the circumstance for releasing the gift, not about the giving of the gift. The manifestation gifts represent all of the Holy Spirit, not bits of him. To help a student of mine understand this concept, Jesus said, When you walk into a room, is it only your eye and your arm that enter, or does your whole body walk into the room? She replied, My whole body, of course. And he said, I'm a person too, and I bring my entire self when I dwell in the heart of every believer, not in part, but in whole. That seems kind of obvious when you look at it that way, doesn't it? The gifts are given when you are saved and then activated by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Technically, we all have the capability for any of the gifts to be released, but it is the Holy Spirit who decides when you are ready to release a gift. Ephesians 4, 7 says, Yet grace was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. It says gift, not gifts. The gift here is the Holy Spirit. Even the level with which you release these gifts can grow as you grow in maturity. Gifts are released according to your ability to handle it. He won't give us more than our maturity level, or we might take pride in the gifts. God cannot come near pride. In fact, God actively opposes the proud. James 4, 6 says, But he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for salvation. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud and haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness. The word oppose in the Bibles is antitasso, which means to rage and battle against, to set oneself against, to resist, to actively fight against. God will certainly not empower someone like that with the releasing of a gift of the Spirit. So the gifts are released according to your faith level and your spiritual maturity. When you agree with God and are humble and open to be usable for his kingdom purposes, these gifts will be released in you. Obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit is important to prove your readiness. If you can receive a word of knowledge but lack the courage when God asks you to share it as prophecy, he will not trust you for more when you don't obey him with it. The secrets to obedience is to realize that it's not you, but it's the Christ in you that's releasing the gift. All you are doing is being a willing vessel to release it. Think of it as working a job and the boss sees that you're ready for more responsibility. The boss is the one that gives you the upgraded assignment or promotion. When the Holy Spirit finds you mature enough to handle a gift and ready to be trusted to release it for his purposes, he will open the doors. God inspires us uniquely by our talents as well. He intertwines these manifestation gifts uniquely in cooperation with our skills and talents. Exodus 28.3 says, 
Tell all the skilled and talented people whom I have endowed with the spirit of wisdom that they are to make Aaron's garments to sanctify him and set him apart to serve as a priest for me. Everything God does is motivated by love, so everything he will have you do must also be motivated by love. 1 Corinthians 13.2 says, And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak in a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge and have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but do not have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. When we shift off that central focus, take pride for the gifting or take credit for God's glory, He will stop using us. Gifts are given according to God's grace. Use your gifts according to the grace God has given you. Know your lane. Don't go above your authority and use a gift apart from Holy Spirit's instructions. This prayer in Ephesians 3, 16-21 sheds light on the nature of these gifts. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. There is a direct correlation between the exercising of these gifts and your intimacy with Jesus. The more you fix your eyes on Jesus, spend time with him in the word and in prayer and worship, and in these encountering experiences, the more you are transformed into his likeness. This leads to an increased spiritual maturity that readies you to exercise more of the manifestation spiritual gifts. All of these gifts are yours as a born-again believer in Christ. Still, we are to desire the gift giver over the gifts. Do not desire the gift of healing over the gift of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. And never exercise any of these gifts out of your own personal pride or motivation but only by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Let's say, for example, that you've seen a lot of miraculous healings when you pray for people. The minute you think that that's you and not God working through you, the Holy Spirit will pull back that gift. God cannot come near pride. The anointing of God will not be present when you do this. Many high fruit-bearing servants of God have told stories of their giftings being held back in a season of pride until they returned and repented. Let's dive into the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. All of the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit are supernatural, exercising power that is not limited to the natural laws of this world. They are all listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the spiritual illumination and the enabling of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Holy Spirit the power to speak the message of wisdom, and to another the power to express the word of knowledge and understanding according to the same Spirit. To another, wonder-working faith is given by the same Holy Spirit, and to another the extraordinary gifts of healing by the one Spirit. 
and to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, foretelling the future and speaking a new message from God to the people, and to another discerning of spirits, the ability to distinguish sound godly doctrine from the deceptive doctrine of man-made religions and cults, to another various kinds of unknown tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All these things, the gifts, the achievements, the abilities, and the empowering, are brought about by one and the same Holy Spirit, distributing to each one individually just as he chooses. There are three categories of manifestation gifts. I find it easier to remember the manifestation gifts if I divide them into mind, mouth, and power gifts. Some called the mind ones revelational gifts and the mouth ones vocal gifts. And the third category is generally considered power gifts. The first that we'll call the mind or revelational gifts is the word of wisdom. The ability to understand scripture and have correct insight into its meaning. You cannot understand scripture properly with your head. The Holy Spirit lives in the heart, not in the head. Only the Holy Spirit can properly interpret scripture. Solomon prayed for wisdom and God was pleased with him. He became the wisest man that ever lived. 1 Kings 4.29 says God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. This gift reveals itself when a verse leaps off the page and you have a personal understanding of its meaning for you. The Holy Spirit can make the Bible relate to your life in an instant. When I was a new believer, the first Bible that I owned was a leather-bound NLT Life Application Bible. I wore that thing out so much that from Peter to the end of Revelation, it was all ripped out and loosely held together by a binder clip. I needed to secure this Bible by, with a large rubber band. I wrote all over that Bible, and I loved to read my notes in the margins. I would open to a page that would have, wow, 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 in the margin next to an underlined verse. Then I would read it again years later and wonder what I found so incredible about it. It certainly spoke to me that day. Today, a completely different verse would likely inspire me. The second mind gift is word of knowledge. The ability to remember and recall biblical facts for a person of applying doctrinal truths to the body of Christ. It is also manifest by knowing something about a person that you couldn't possibly know about apart from the Holy Spirit. Jesus demonstrated this gift when he spoke to the woman at the well about her past, see John 4. The gifts of word of knowledge and prophecy often go hand in hand, as in that example of the woman at the well. When Jesus received the information from God, the father, about this woman, he was exercising the gift of a word of knowledge. When he shared it with her, he was exercising the gift of prophecy. More about that in a bit. The point is, not every word of knowledge is intended to be shared. My friend Nancy shared a story once that she had passed on a word of knowledge to her son. Her son asked her how she knew what she told him, and she told him that she got it from God. Her son had her committed to an institution for this. The people in the hospital also thought she was crazy when she said she could hear from God that clearly. Years later, when she told me that story, I asked her if God told her to tell him about it. 
She admitted that she never even asked God if she should tell him about it. When you receive a word of knowledge, always thank God for revealing it to you and then ask him what you're supposed to do about it. Sometimes you're just supposed to pray. Other times you're supposed to share it. Always obey God's direction in each matter. The third and final mind gift is the gift of discerning spirits. This is the supernatural ability to discern good from evil, truth from lies. The gift of discernment is a critical checkpoint for accuracy of the prophecy and knowing if the teaching from the pulpit or in a book is accurate or simply coming from a human perspective or even the enemy. This gift helps you know whose voice you're listening to. Is the voice, thought, or action from God, the enemy, or you? Key questions you can ask to test the spirit and grow in this gift are, is that a true biblical principle? Does this line up with God's names, character, or promises? Is it intended to encourage, edify, purify, or uplift? Or does it lead to fear, anxiety, depression, and distress? Discernment grows when you spend time in the Word and in God's presence. The Holy Spirit authored the entire Bible. Being tuned into the Spirit will help you have a greater level of discernment. He knows all truth. Having a holy habit of meditating on the Word with the Holy Spirit daily will increase this gift. The next three gifts I like to call the mouth, or also known as the vocal gifts. The first of which is speaking in tongues. This is the ability to speak in unknown languages. Primarily, this gift allows you to speak directly into the heart of the Holy Spirit. It is a gift that blesses the receiver more than the body of Christ. Without the interpretation of tongues, the gift of tongues is a personal experience between the Holy Spirit and the tongue-speaking person. Praying in tongues is praying God's perfect prayers of blessing for you and its perfect worship to God. The teaching that warns not to speak in tongues without an interpreter is often taught incorrectly to suggest that this gift should not be used at all without an interpreter. This verse clearly dispels that teaching. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or more, at most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and God. That is 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and 28. The only warning is for those who are not prompted by the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues in public settings. This gift is wildly misunderstood, dismissed, and often discouraged. The primary purpose of tongues is demonstrating the surrendering of your mouth and cooperating with God by speaking the utterances. It connects you directly with the heart of God and ensures you are not getting in his way. When used as a tool of prophecy, it is given in public settings, but mostly is an intimate interchange between you and God. There are 40 verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that explain tongues. There are two purposes for the gift of tongues distinguishable if it is for you or for others. If it is for you, it is to uplift and edify you. For others, it's a means of prophecy when interpreted. Many denominations will throw the baby out with the bathwater by misunderstanding that there are two different purposes for the gift of tongues, and they only believe that it is for prophecy in a group setting and dismiss it otherwise entirely. 
When the tongues are given as a prophetic message for others, then an interpreter is necessary. And 1 Corinthians 14, 18 and 19 will show us that context. Paul said, I thank God that I speak in unknown tongues more than any all of you. Nevertheless, in public worship, I would rather say five understandable words in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue which no one can understand. I think God uses long dead languages as our spiritual languages so that we can't try to learn the language and get in his way. I prayed diligently for the activation of the gift of tongues for about six months. And then one day I just started speaking to my heavenly language to my cat. Years later, the Lord reminded me of a nonsense song that I had been singing to my kids every day at bedtime. He confirmed that I had been singing in tongues for more than 30 years without even knowing it. If you have not activated your gift of tongues and would like to, below in the pattyej.podbean.com site, there is a two-part video resource by Dr. Mark Verkler that will walk you through the process of praying for the activation of your heavenly language. The second mouth gift is the gift of interpretation of tongues. This gift is the supernatural ability to interpret the language of tongues. This gift is to be used in a public setting or if a person that speaks this language is within earshot of it and the Holy Spirit has a message to share with these audiences. Someone with this gift is able to bless the entire body of Christ by interpreting the message of the Holy Spirit by someone who just spoke in tongues. The interpretation of tongues can be for knowable and unknowable languages. For example, my friend shared that she was given the ability to understand someone who was speaking Japanese so she could know how to pray for that person. In the Acts 2 recounting, or in the events of the upper room, where 120 people were waiting for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit, there were an estimated 80 languages represented, yet each heard God's message in their own language. Acts 2, 6-8 says, And when this sound was heard, a crowd gathered, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing those in the upper room speaking in his own language or dialect. They were completely astonished, saying, Look, are not all of these people speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hear our own language or native dialect? I remember having experience like this while I was in the theater watching the Passion of the Christ movie. The entire movie was subtitled. I remember being aware of having to read the English words quickly. It was kind of stressful. Then later in the movie, I realized that I was hearing it in English and wondered why the subtitles were needed. I specifically remember noticing this in the scene where Pilate and his wife were having a conversation about her dream. I remember discussing it afterwards with someone wondering if they noticed that some of those sections were in English. And then I realized there weren't any sections that were in English. It wasn't spoken in my language. I simply heard it in my language. Linda, a colleague of mine from Christian Leadership University, was taking an intercessory prayer class that challenged the students to work up to three hours a day of praying in tongues. One day, she simply asked the Lord what was she saying. She was still speaking in her heavenly language, but her mind was understanding it in English. God was speaking faith, hope, and love over her. She wondered why it took her so long to ask him for that interpretation. The third and final mouth gift is the gift of prophecy. Sharing a message that you receive from the Lord is the gift of prophecy. All prophecy is intended to bless, encourage, and edify, 
even if the message is a warning. Much of God's messages are about the near future. Jonah received a prophetic message about the impending destruction of Nineveh with a call to repentance. Because the people repented and turned from their wicked ways, God spared them. See the book of Jonah. Other Bibles tell the story of different outcomes when people did not heed the warnings and obey them. God's messages are given to help us to know his will so that we can obey it. Often it is as simple as the Lord directing you to generally share blessings he's given you for others in order to release his love to them. It is not more complicated than speaking encouragement and edification in other people's lives. Who might you have the authority to speak over? Your family, anyone under your realm of responsibility, or anyone for whom you have influence. Always and only share what the Lord directs you to share. Sometimes messages are given so that you will know how to pray for someone. Often the Lord gives me messages for my students. That's an example of a seasonal authority. Once a person is not my student, I won't get messages for them anymore. People can grow in different levels of authority and then be given messages for broader populations. This is called being in the office of a prophet. Lance Wallnow, for example, receives messages for Christians in the United States, and Lana Vowser receives messages on behalf of the entire Christian, worldwide, spirit-led body. The closer the person is to God, the more insight God will give for you to share with others. So intimacy with God is one important factor for this gift. All believers can prophesy because it is simply receiving and releasing messages from the Lord, which we were all created to be able to do. Some will grow in higher levels in this gift than others. It's all according to your calling. It is important to note that all prophetic words need to match up with Scripture. God will never give you a brand new message. That is a message that is not consistent with his character, nature, or the word of God. He will give you a scripturally true message in a fresh way. I asked the Lord once to teach me about abiding, and he gave me a metaphor about electricity. He showed me that an unplugged toaster had no ability to serve as it was created to do. Plugged in, it was fully capable of behaving according to its true purpose. Now, there is no electricity in the Bible, and I don't believe that toasters existed then either. But this message lines up with biblical principles. So if someone tells you they got a message from God and it doesn't line up with scriptural principles, then it's not a message from God. Beware of false teachers. The third and final category of manifestation gifts are the power gifts. Each of these three gifts have been featured in their own podcast episodes, so you can check them all out on the pattyej.podbean.com site. The first of these gifts is the gift of miracles. Things that would seem impossible to man are possible with God. See Matthew 9.26. You can live a life surrounded by miracles when you believe that God is who he says he is and live out a life of expectancy that he will show up in all circumstances. The cool thing about this gift is that when you see God manifest himself in signs, wonders, and miracles, you expect to see it happen again and again. God loves to show himself in his true limitless nature. As I have shared in other episodes, miracles are happening all the time, just as they did in Jesus' day. For more on the gift of miracles, 
and to hear Jesus share about the nine things that move him to move in the miraculous, check out the podcast links below on the topics related to each of these gifts in the pattyej.podbean.com site. The second power gift is the gift of faith. This is the infusion of the faith of God to accomplish something related to your kingdom calling. It is demonstrated when you take supernatural action in a direction that shows God that you believe him. This is supernatural faith given by the Holy Spirit to believe God for his promises and for miracles. I had a theory that this gift was pivotal when I challenged a group of 40 people to a 30-day faith challenge. My hypothesis was that if you prayed for an increase of the gift of faith, you would see an increase of all of the manifestation gifts. And this hypothesis bore true and is talked about in more detail in the episode that we did about the gift of faith. The ability to believe God even for salvation is the first exercise of this gift. The gift of faith is simply knowing that if God says it, it's true. Activated faith is the power to pull down miracles from heaven to earth. It is impossible to please God without faith, and we are to seek the higher gifts. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to walk with and please God, for whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. The third and final power gift is the gift of healing. People who exercise the gift of healing can effectively pray for healing by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit and see results that are beyond natural means. Whenever a person fixes their eyes on Jesus and looks to see what Jesus is doing, lays hands, and prays in agreement, the Holy Spirit powerfully shows up and heals that person. It's important to note that all believers are called to pray for healing by the authority of the Holy Spirit. Those who exercise this gift have developed a faithful expectancy that the Lord will show up as the great physician and healer with great power and effect. One of the most important lessons I learned about this healing is that God always desires perfect healing for anyone that is willing to meet the conditions for cooperating with that healing. The gift of healing relates to physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing needs. Conditions for healing do not need to come from the places you expect. Some physical healings occur because somebody obeyed a spiritual commandment. So it's important to hear God's voice and cooperate with conditions for healing. For more information about this gift, listen to the entire episode that was devoted to it on the pattyej.podbean.com site. And I'm encouraging all to check out our Encountering the Healing of God book and the Encountering of Healing of God prayer process workbook and the Experience the Healing of God journal all bundled that address this specific gift and how to walk in it. Those links are below at the pattyej.podbean.com site. The secret to growing in spiritual maturity enough for the Lord to release more of these Holy Spirit manifestation gifts is to abide in Christ. How do you abide in Christ? Abiding is dwelling. Living with the Holy Spirit is different than compartmentalizing him into just pieces of your life. It's an immersion lifestyle of a focus on Jesus. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will with the Holy Spirit's presence protecting you. Stay 
Holy Spirit-centered. Being with Jesus is a transformational relationship. You are changed into his likeness when you are around him. Being with him leads to increasing believing in him. You can't make someone welcome if you don't believe they exist or ever spend any time with them. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please him, by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own, for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. To grieve is to cause sorrow and distress. When we don't believe God for who he says he is, and what he says he'll do, and when we don't invite his presence and surrender to his perfect will, we grieve the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. To quench is to stop the flow, cut off communion, put out a fire, extinguish the compassion of God. This reminds me of the importance of staying in the naturally supernatural flow of the Holy Spirit. Knowing that it's important to stay in that flow is one thing, but realizing that it grieves him when we don't makes me even more determined to stay in the spirit of God's presence. Abiding in God is being conscious of him. We always release the reality of the world that we are most aware of and that we are looking at. Living with the continual awareness of God must be the supreme goal for anyone who understands the privilege of hosting his spirit. The authority comes with the commission, the call, or the assignment from God, and the power comes with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Our service and ministry to the Lord should flow from a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in us for our sakes and empowers us for the sakes of others. The energizing power that I sense when I fix my eyes on Jesus, the one who lives in me, and receive rhema vision and direction when I flow in the Holy Spirit, is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There are four rules of that law that are very helpful for me to remember and have been helpful for me to live naturally supernaturally. The first rule is to become more spirit conscious to pay attention to the spontaneous thoughts, feelings, sensations that I receive and to test them to see if they are from the Lord or from the enemy or from my own analytical thoughts. Pausing just long enough to ask the question, is that true or does this sound like God, helps me assess whether I'm hearing the Lord's voice or not. And posturing myself to hear God's voice helps to ensure that it will be God in the first place. The second rule is to fix my eyes only on Jesus and stay focused on him, looking for vision and asking to hear from his voice. When I specifically ask the Lord to show me how he feels about a person for whom I'm having challenges with, he always changes my perspective. It takes my eyes off myself and even off that person's behavior, and on to Jesus and his heart for them. The third rule is to welcome the Holy Spirit. For me, the big learning on this one was how to include the Lord at all times and in all circumstances. 
He doesn't want me to walk away from the flow of the Holy Spirit and leave him behind. So I talk to him all day long. I praise him. I ask him for assistance. And he is always there. I remember that he is always there. The issue of making Holy Spirit feel welcome was interesting to me. I feel that the majority of Christians have no relationship with the Lord, even though he's always there. He is Jehovah Shammah. Because they grieve and quench the Holy Spirit by leaving him behind in their everyday activities. This is, I believe, the definition of grieving, quenching, and making the Holy Spirit feel unwelcome, to simply leave him out of your everyday life. You simply don't make a person feel welcome by ignoring them. The fourth rule is that we are to speak forth and act according to what the Holy Spirit is revealing. I definitely found an increase of boldness and anointing from sharing what I learned from the Lord with others, especially when I taught dialogue journaling to the first person for the first time. It was so cool for me to see God working through somebody else, increasing that person's relationship with the Lord and her boldness as well. Let's put all of this together. The Lord revealed to me something that I like to call the positioning anointing. This is what he said about it. The positioning anointing is recognizing the assignment I have given you in the timing that it is given. It is the window of time where my anointing is present to accomplish the assignment. This can be piece by piece, step by step, as in large assignments, like building a kingdom business, ministry, or writing a book. This is why asking me to order your day is so important. Working on only what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it ensures that you have the positioning anointing to accomplish it. It can also be a one-time opportunity, like obeying the prompt to call and forgive someone or to talk to a stranger about salvation in a store or on the street. Sensing the timing is important because it is in the assignment with me where the power exists to accomplish it. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Getting ahead of me or lagging behind me is acting without my power. It is critically important to listen and obey when you feel the call to do something, as then you know I have positioned you to accomplish it. Remember, it is not you alone or me alone. It's me working through you to accomplish the Father's will. So take courage and watch. Listen. We can do this together. An example of this was one day my sister Michelle and I were talking in the parking lot after one of our Spirit Life Circle meetings. She loves to share my books with people and was getting some from the back of my trunk. There was a man sitting there in the car next to us with his window open. After I left, Michelle leaned into the car and gave John a book and invited him to join us next week at the same place and blessed him and left. The next week, John sat outside for hours waiting for me to come out of the coffee shop. He approached me and shared that Michelle's intervention saved his life. He was sitting in his car, contemplating suicide, and crying out to God to show him if he was real. The timely act of offering him the book, and the book itself, allowed John to personally encounter God 
and that gave him hope. Had Michelle ignored her prompting from the Holy Spirit, perhaps God would have used someone else to connect with John to him, but it was her assignment. Delayed obedience is disobedience. When you obey God's prompting immediately, you show him that he can trust you with other assignments. This is how you grow from glory to glory, anointing to anointing. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of God, are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. One of the reasons that many of us just don't obey is that we think it's just us. We focus on our own limitations and talk ourselves right out of the assignment, justifying the decision by our own limitations. Whenever you have a prompting to do something, no matter how scary, it will always be empowered by God. So don't get in God's way by thinking it's all you. The power to do that step is not coming from you. So remember that you and Jesus are partners by the power of the Holy Spirit. For today's experience with the Holy Spirit, if you have not prayed the baptism of the Holy Spirit, take that step now. And then what we'll be doing is meeting Jesus in our special place after playing with him a few minutes and asking him to show us how he would like to release the manifestation gifts in your life even more. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. Ask him for a glimpse to show you how he will exercise those gifts related to your bigger calling, so that you can see how he sees you already as a puzzle piece in his larger kingdom plan. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.